Hey y'all, my name is Billy and welcome to this week's message from Greenville Vineyard. You are joining us in a series where we're looking at the journey of life, specifically the kingdom journey that God takes us on when we begin to surrender our walk to Jesus and begin to follow him with all of our lives. And so this week we're going to dig into the whole frustrating issue of waiting. And it's something we all know a little bit about at this present time, don't we? We're waiting to see what will happen next. We're waiting to see how long till we get the vaccine rolled out to everyone. We're waiting to see how long till coronavirus is not worried about anymore or even spoken about anymore. And, you know, we've been waiting a while. It's been a good year all over the globe where people have just had this season of unwelcome waiting. And, you know, very few people are enjoying the process. And it's just one of those things of life, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a thing where, you know, we don't like to wait, but often we have to wait. And, you know, in times like this, and even in other times of waiting that you may have to do, there are, there's some real spiritual lessons to be found in those. There is a spiritual connection to living and waiting and, and growing. You know, those of you who have followed Jesus for at least a little while will know that in the kingdom journey, um, there are echoes of this waiting that we've been experiencing over this past year. You know, the journey of life following Jesus is, is a given that we will just have to wait at times. There are times of waiting that God takes us through. And even though these are often challenging or unwelcome, the case of the matter is or not the case of the matter, the fact of the matter is, it's just that they are important. Waiting times are important. They do a couple of things. They help to, form, uh, they help to form Jesus's character in us. And heck, even Jesus had times of waiting in his life. Um, they help to teach us God's ways. Uh, and they also reveal God's ability to make things happen, to provide for us, and to get us to where we're meant to be in his will. And so today we're going to dig into that a little bit. Uh, by looking at some experiences of the Israelites. Uh, so why don't you pray with me quickly before we move on by re and read from uh, Numbers chapter 13. Father, thank you that even though times can be tough and even though we have to wait, that you have a plan that you can use these times for our good and your greater good. And so as we just dig into the scripture now, Lord, and look at some of the lessons we can learn, would you speak to each one of us individually? If we're going through tough times of waiting, would you strengthen us and help us to, to persevere and to trust that you've got something good coming out of it at the end? In Jesus' name I pray, lead my words. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read a, a snippet of scripture from Numbers chapter 13, starting at verse 1, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 27. You can follow along on the screen or follow along in your own Bible. But it says this, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So let's jump over to verse 27. And it says this when they got back. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. 
The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But then what happens after this is that, um, you know, the 12 leaders got sent into the land. Caleb and Joshua were among them. The other 10 start telling stories to all the Israelites about how terrible this place is. The land's going to kill them, that they're giants over there, that uh, they're weak. And when they were there, they looked like grasshoppers to the other people. And they felt like that. And they looked at the same to them. And so they turned the whole congregation against the notion of entering into the land. God is about to lead them into the promised land. And now they're all cry out and they start wailing and they start freaking out because they think they're going to go in there and just get massacred and died and die so what happens is they start talking about going back to to egypt they want they start talking about voting in a new leader who will take them back to where they came from and at this point in time moses caleb and joshua they tear their clothes they fall down on the ground they plead with the people to stop this folly the people refuse to listen to them and they start talking about stoning them Talk, you know let's just stone moses and these guys get our new leader and head back to where we came from and then at that moment the glory of the lord descends upon the tent of meeting and you know kind of quietens down the whole thing and god begins to speak to moses and and god passes judgment on the people god says okay that's it you're not going into the land uh, in fact you know, because you have, you know, been been this way, what's going to happen is you are going to go into the desert for 40 years. This whole generation, everybody above the age of, I think it was, I think it was 20, everybody above the age of 20 is going to die in the desert. And all these kids of yours who you're scared were going to get massacred in the land, they're going to go in and take possession of the land. And uh, the people freak out, they lament. What happens is the 10 people who'd stirred up the crowd against the Lord's will to go into the land, they die of a plague straight up. And then what happens is the people are all of a sudden sorry that they've disobeyed the Lord. They realize that 40 years in the desert is actually a worse option because nobody wants to live in the wilderness in the desert for 40 years. And so the next day they get up. And they say, okay, no, we're going to be obedient to the Lord now. We're going to go into the land and we're going to take it. Moses is like, no, 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 God's changed his mind. He's judged you now. Don't go in. Don't despair the Lord. They're like, no, it's fine. There's a trend here. They never listen to their leader. They never listen to Moses. Anyway, so they go into the land. They go up into the hill country and they just get a whooping. They get whacked down by the people up there, turned around and driven straight back out into the wilderness. And as, as they're going through that point in time they begin to get sent out into the wilderness God passes that judgment but then he turns around in that moment and he also says this he says to Joshua and to Caleb says you two I will bless you two will go into the land you will possess the land you'll and and you'll you you will be rewarded for your faithfulness and so Caleb gets allotted a piece of land and Joshua as we all know Joshua becomes a leader after Moses dies and so off they go into the desert for 40 years then after 40 years, they come back, they enter into the land, you know how it is, Moses dies, Joshua becomes the leader, they go over, Jericho happens, and Caleb comes in to the land with them, and he ends up getting his possession up in the hill country then. There's this famous little passage further on in Numbers, where Caleb turns around to Joshua and says, look, you and I were there the day that everybody rebelled. You and I knew that God could give us this land. Now I'm 80 years old. I was 40 back then. I'm 80 now. And I'm as strong now as I was then. You know, God had blessed him with youthful strength. Like, can you imagine being 80 and still having the strength and 
vitality you had when you're 40. That'd be cool. Anyway, so he goes in and he fights with his own men to get his land and eventually gets to his dream. But after a long period of waiting. And this introduces my first point today. And, you know, the kingdom life, uh, life in general, waiting is inevitable. Waiting is inevitable. And this waiting is inevitable whether it is from the Lord or whether it's from our own folly. You know, if it's from the Lord, you know, we've got examples of us here when Moses is goes up to the mountain to receive the law of the Lord. The people have to wait down at the bottom. They have to wait, you know, a whole bunch of days for him to come back down. Or look at Jesus. Jesus is coming down, becoming, you know, a human being. He has to wait 30 years before he can begin revealing himself to people. 30 years he has to live as a normal person waiting until the time comes for him to start his ministry. And even then, when he goes down and he gets baptized by John the Baptist and he comes up filled with the Spirit, with the power of the Spirit, what happens? God makes him wait another 40, 40 days. The, the Holy Spirit drives him out into the wilderness for 40 days for fasting and prayer. Waiting is inevitable and waiting is important. You know, and then there's times when we wait because of somebody else's folly, because of something's gone wrong. It's not necessarily um, a good reason why we're waiting, although God can turn it into good. But in the example is our story over here, the Israelites disobey the Lord and they end up having to wait in the desert for 40 years. So the kids and Joshua and Caleb, they have to spend 40 years waiting because of other people's mistakes. And sometimes we're forced to wait just by situations, by by the follies of people around us. and But what we need to understand in these moments is that God is bigger than that disaster. God is bigger than that folly. And we learn that lesson because those kids and Joshua and Caleb eventually get into land, get, get the position. And in that time of waiting, God does some work. And so we need to know that times of waiting are going to come. Whether we like it or not, they're going to hit us, whether they come from the Lord or, they, or they're in you know, a result of something out with our control that somebody else does. But the key that we have to remember, the key thing is this, you and I need to decide how we're going to respond during that time of waiting. And this leads me to my next point. Um, we need to decide how we're going to respond to that time of waiting because waiting reveals and shapes. Waiting reveals and shapes. So waiting exposes our heart's desires to us. That's where the revelation comes in. You know, when we're forced to wait on the Lord and wait for things we want, you know, our heart's desires begin to come out because we begin to react. We begin to push back against the waiting. We begin to get anxious. And so, you know, a great example of this, you know, sometimes the bad stuff comes up. So another story of Moses and the Israelites a little bit earlier before this at first attempt to enter the land is when Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and he's taking a while. And so the Israelites approach Aaron, his brother, who was part of all the miracles in Egypt, who has an inkling of what God is like. They approach Aaron and they say, listen, this is Moses' character. He's been up there a long time. He must be dead. He ain't coming back down. So you need to make some gods for us. And Aaron's like, you know, he had the backbone of a, I don't know, a he had no backbone. It was Aaron turned around and goes, okay, fine, give me all your jewelry. And he, he melts down all the jewelry and he makes he makes a golden calf from them. And they begin to they they begin to worship the golden calf. They they turn away from from God almost in an instant because 
that little bit of waiting was too much for them. It revealed that in their hearts that they always need something in front of them and that they, they were just akin to idolatry, to worshipping the way people in the ancient Near East worshipped. And God was trying to take them away from that. But their hearts kept going back to it. They weren't truly giving their hearts to the Lord, even after all he'd done for them in Egypt and bringing them out to Mount Sinai. And so sometimes the evil of our hearts, most times actually, the selfishness and the evil of our hearts is exposed when we're forced to wait. Just think about this past year, about, you know, quarantine and the way we've had to live and the way churches have had to operate, the way businesses had to operate. What has that done in you? What has it provoked in you? Has it made you make some big decisions that maybe you wouldn't have made if things were normal? And all those decisions good. Have you made those decisions because God's speaking to you? Or have you made those decisions because the selfishness, the the uh, desire for something else in your heart has come to the surface and you can't take it anymore, you're going to go after that because that makes you happier. Uh, God's taking too long for you and you're going to go do this thing. You know, what is it? So waiting reveals. Now, when it begins to reveal these things, if we're willing to hand them over to the Lord to confess them to God, there's a good side to waiting. Waiting can shape us and it can shape us in a good way. And so, you know, you look at a classic example is Jesus' lifetime. You know, he is born into a family, grows up, becomes a carpenter. And during that whole time of waiting, God is teaching him and shaping him into being the Messiah that he needs to be. You know, a good time of waiting. You know, when Paul first gets, uh, when Saul becomes a Christian in the New Testament in Acts and he becomes Paul, he goes off and although he starts witnessing straight away, he keeps a low profile for a long, long time before he starts doing his big, big missionary journeys. Time of waiting, a time of preparation, of being shaped by God into who God wanted him to be. But it needs us to be willing to be shaped. It needs us to bring our selfishness, our struggles to God and say, Lord, this waiting is, is, is bringing up these ugly things in me and I don't want to follow those directions. Would you, would you help me to understand what your will and your wisdom is and help me to walk in that? You know, because waiting is difficult. It's, it ends up being a time when we're tempted to not trust God and we're tempted to take things into our own hands especially those of us who live in these, you know, individualist societies in the West. We're all about, you know, make your own way. You do you, do you and all this kind of stuff. And so when things are out of our control, we don't, we don't like it. When we have to wait on others, we do not like it, even if it's waiting on the Lord. And so when we do kind of move away from the Lord and we take things into our own hands, you know, just look back over your life. The outcomes are often not so great. They really, really work out well. Look at the Israelites, you know, disobeying the Lord and going into the land and just getting absolutely beaten down by by the Canaanites and the Jebusites and all those people up in the hill country, just driving them straight back out. You know, they kind of disobeyed, God judges them, and then they disobey again because they take things into their own hands and it just gets worse for them as they go through that. Disobedience almost always has disastrous results. Maybe not in the short term, but definitely in the long term. However, 
If we remain faithful and if we obey God and we wait on him and we persevere through that time, God will use it to build our faith. He'll he'll begin to strengthen us. He'll begin to make us look more like Jesus in our characters. And he will begin to shape us into who he has made us to be and who he's called us to be. And this leads me to my last point. Yeah, good things come to those who wait. You know, there's a there's a famous uh, advert that goes around for an ale called Guinness. And uh, that's its whole motto, you know, good things come to those who wait because this particular ale, when you pour it, it takes a long time for it to settle and for the, you know, for the, the head to form in. And I know it's a sermon and I'm talking about beers. But uh, it's, it, and so it, it just takes a long time. You can't just pour it and, and take a sip. I mean, I've had a sip of the stuff. It's disgusting. I don't like it at all. So those of you who like it will be like, oh, Billy, what are you saying? But it's, it's one of these things you have to wait for it. Or, you know, if you're somebody who loves to cook and you like to roast things and you like your, your meats and so on, you know what it's like when you bring it out of, you know, the oven, you have to, you have to let it settle for it. You have to let it wait, you know, so that when you do eat it, it's, it's just right. So there's a lot of things in our lives that we do and we enjoy. We know that for them to be the best they need to be, we just need to wait a little. So good things come to those who wait and that's a kingdom principle that's that's just you know the physical life and the spiritual life you know they connect all the time and that's how things go and so we see this especially in the lives of Joshua and Caleb you know they I bet you they did not enjoy those 40 years in the wilderness having to trudge around with all those other people and wait for them to die off I bet you they just and they must have been grumpy for a long time but they waited, they were faithful, they obeyed the Lord. And in the end, you know, God uses that time, one, to, to shape Joshua into being the leader he needs to be. So he gets an extra 40 years of mentoring from Moses, an extra 40 years of sitting in the presence of the Lord as God speaks to Moses, uh, learning from Moses' successes and learning from his mistakes. Caleb, he's a leader of his own group of people. He he gets shaped as well. He continues moving forward and he has this resolve to be involved and to help take the land with everybody else when the time gets there. And then they get there and Joshua becomes a leader and Caleb gets his portion and uh, it's all good. And so good things come to those who wait. And there's, there's many, many examples of that in the Bible. And if you look back on your own life, you can probably think of times that you know, when you waited on something and you eventually got that good thing and it was just worth the wait. So let me end with these questions. You know, what are you waiting for? And in that time of season, that, that season of waiting, how are you responding to that waiting? And concerning that response, how do you see that response working out? I heard a great uh, podcast the other day, and uh, a guy called Andy St Andy Stanley has these questions that he always asks of himself when he's trying to make big decisions in life and move from one place to the other. And one of the questions he asks himself, and I really like this, is the um, this I'll, I'll call it the story question, but it's it's basically this: How do I want to tell this story? You know. When I'm thinking about 10 years' time and I tell people about the decision I'm making now, how do I want that story to sound? You know, 
is it all going to be all about me or is that story going to be about how I obeyed the Lord and pressed into what he wanted and you know and uh that's that's a good way to think about things how how am I going to want to tell this story in 10 years by how I make this decision right now by how I respond to the waiting that God is taking me through so and by that, you'll probably be able to figure out if you're poised to receive the Lord's blessing or if you're poised to go down a road that might have some consequences that uh, you might not like coming off the back of it. Remember, God is good in his timing, but he's never as quick as we want him to be. So let's be still for a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit to rest with each one of us, to speak with us. And... Uh, after that, I'll just close in, close in some prayer. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here amongst us, bringing the will of the Father. I pray for every single person watching. Would you come? Come in your power of revelation. Highlight the things each one of us is waiting on. And show us how to respond. Maybe you're someone that doesn't know God, you don't follow Jesus. You feel like your whole life has just been waiting to try and get to the place of well-being, of finding out who you were meant to be. And the gospel tells us this, that we're meant to be in the family of God. We were created to reveal, to be God's image bearers, to reveal the goodness of God to all creation. And, you know, sin separates us from God. Our selfishness, doing things our way, making ourselves God really is what separates us from. The only way to get back into that family is to surrender our lives to Jesus fully and to start following him. And so if you're realizing that right now, that this is what you've been waiting for, I encourage you to just to pray and to tell Jesus that you're giving you, your life to him and ask him to forgive you for all your sins and to fill you with his Holy Spirit. If you're not sure how to do that, just wait till the slide at the end of this message. There's a number you can text and uh, we'll send a little prayer that you can say uh, to you just to help you along the way. But get in touch with us because it's not just a prayer, it's a beginning of a journey. And uh, we want to help you to walk into that journey of life that God has, has set apart for you. For the rest of you, as God's speaking to you, just uh, let him continue to do that. Don't let me interrupt you. But I'm just going to close with a prayer of blessing over you. And uh, beyond that, have a great day. Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. See you later, bye.